Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the Kickass Reverend Gaming Podcast from Raffle Idiots. I'm your host, Adam. He's running the show, not live on Twitch, but we're still here to hang out with our buddies, Gumbert. And today I have with hey. me he's another mouse from the house. It's just Alex. What's your favorite rodent? Cosita. What's my favorite rodent? Or marsupial. I mean... I'll accept a marsupial yeah, as well. I mean, as a as a full-blooded Canadian, I feel like I have to go with the beaver. Beavers, real cool animals. It's kind of impressive, you know, how handicrafty they are, how from birth they know instinctively how to create all sorts of complicated dams and waterhouses. I'll go, I'll go with beavers. Waterhouses? Yeah. I will say I was... You s scared me a little bit there at the beginning, starting the podcast just like that. We are not uh, doing this live on Twitch for once because raccoons got into our Twitch machine again, and we had to do a local recording on this one. And you did not give me any heads up at all that we were going to start at right that moment. I still had everything ready to go. We're still recording. We're still good. But I was very much like, oh, shit, now we're recording. I guess that's, this is how the podcast is going to be today. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I do. Yeah, I do that all the time. I'll just start doing something, not tell anybody. Now, before we get started, right? Normally, you okay. can catch us live on twitch.tv slash at Sunday evenings at 830. YouTube and, YouTube and podcast services, excuse me, 9 a.m. on Tuesdays following up. So we talked about it before. We didn't continue it. Not related to rodents or marsupials, but I was asking you about Amazing Spider-Man and what your story with that movie was. Yeah. So uh, first off, I'm very curious why you wanted to bring up these movies. But before we get into your side of the coin, um, my experience with the Amazing Spider-Man movies is real interesting in that. So growing up, I did not watch the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies at all because my parents found them too scary for a young I don't know, 11-year-old cozy to watch. I don't know how old I was when those movies came out. It probably was closer to seven. In any case, uh, they did not let me watch those movies. I largely knew of them through the various clips of them or like catching the final five minutes of them on like Canadian TV. Um, the first Spider-Man movie that I ended up seeing ended up being The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because um, I was in a class in college called the physics of Hollywood, which was very much to its name, a class about basically learning about physics through the way in which they're represented in Hollywood movies and being like, well, this is an example of a movie where physics are really done correctly. And they would also be like, and this is by comparison, an example of a movie where physics are done real incorrectly. It was kind of like analyzing physics and science through the ways in which they're done correctly and incorrectly in some of our favorite blockbusters. And basically, Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, was sort of our last, like, assignment of the course. Basically, that movie came out, like, literally the last week of class, and our professor was like, I want you to go into a movie theater, and I want you guys to watch Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then write a report afterwards on the ways in which the physics in the movie were or were not consistent with the way that physics work in real life. And it was this really weird thing where like going into the movie, I didn't really read a lot of reviews, didn't really know what the overall vibe was on it, watched it, had a good time, and then had a great time writing up a physics paper on the movie and what I thought about the physics of it. Had an even greater time when I got a passing score for the course. I didn't get like an amazing score, but I got like a you know, like an 83 or something. Like, I was happy to take it. And it was a little bit disappointing in the years following to realize, oh, man, everybody hates that movie. Like, that movie is, like, kind of despised. And, you know, watching it in the theater that first time, I totally understood why some people might not love it. But I'll, I'll stick up for that movie a little bit here and there. You want to hear my ultra-hot, flaming-hot nuclear take on that movie? Go for it. I think that the... Hans Zimmer song that he uses for the introduction of Electro might be the single best piece of music in any Marvel movie ever. So I think that that particular score is a masterclass and I will be taking no comments or questions at this time. I will say it's very good. I noticed that while watching it. The reason I brought it up is because I watched Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 this weekend just because I felt like it. Yeah. Because I haven't seen them since movie theaters, I think. Um, First of all, I think it's DJ Junkie XL who does the. It was it Hans Zimmer. It's Hans Zimmer because he's done like live shows in Europe where Doing he that. plays that specific. But I think song it was DJ movie. Junkie XL. He did something stupid. Um, yeah. But no, I I do like Electro's. His soundtrack is very 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 good. 
all like the voices speaking in the background and all the heavy electronic yeah. stuff. It's really good. It's really good. I'll give it to you. Movie is fine. It's whatever. It's funny watching Far From Home and how they bring all those other guys around. I will say the suit for Amazing Spider-Man 2 was probably my favorite Spider-Man suit until mm. Tom Holland's um, yeah. iron suit or whatever, because I can see that solid. It's really good. Uh, and yeah, b- hold on before we go on real quick. Amazing Spider-Man one. I actually it's funny. I saw Amazing Spider-Man two and then eventually I saw the Raimi movies. I only saw Amazing Spider-Man one when kind of funny did their like in review series on the Spider-Man movies. And so I watched the movie then thought it was fine. Didn't yeah. need that whole subplot of people being turned into lizards. Would have done without it. That was a small part of the movie. I will say I do like Andrew Garfield. A lot. That's why I love seeing him come back and far from home. He's a little he's a little pushy when it comes to hanging out with Gwen Stacy. She's like, we can't be together. He's like, no, no, kiss me. We're going to be together. I'm like, oof. Andrew Garfield, let's relax, buddy. But no, it's a fun. Oh, man. It's fun enough. If only, if only things ended badly for them. <laughs> if only she went off to Europe and didn't have to worry about anything. Um, also, Green Goblin at the end of Animated Spider-Man 2 is stupid. Uh, first yeah. up on today's show, we're going to talk about video game stuff now. Even though Spider-Man counts as video games. This one's for you, Cozy. Only for you. That's the only reason I put it here. Next Nintendo movie's been announced from Andy Robinson at VGC. Nintendo has announced it will develop a live-action film of Legend of Zelda. film will be produced by Shigeru Miyamoto, um, representative director and fellow of Nintendo, and veteran Hollywood producer Avi Arid? Avi Arad. Is it Arad? A direct... I think. Okay. Yeah. He did I don't know with certainty. A lot of the uh he did those early Spider Man movies. Well he produced he, he basically he's basically been a producer on every non MCU like Marvel Superhero movie. movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Going back down the timeline, like he produced the Daredevil movie, he produced like Electra, he Venom? produced all those movies. Yes, Venom, Venom Two, M- Morbius. That was uh, one of my favorite things to come out of this announcement is someone did the box art from Twilight Princess, but instead of the like Wolf Link and Link on the cover, it was Morbius, but like with the <laughs> split image thing yeah, where it's yeah. like one version of him is normal and the other version is the vampire. thought that was really funny. Yeah. The main reason it's him is because it's uh, Nintendo's partnering with Sony and he's just like the guy over yeah. Sony, basically. Uh, directed by Wes Ball, the director behind the Maze Runner trilogy and next year's Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Miyamoto said, Miyamoto said in a statement, I've been working on the live-action film of The Legend of Zelda for many years now with Avi... Is it Arid, you said? Avi Arad. Avi Arad. Don't know with certainty, but I think. I don't know. Who has uh, produced many mega-hit films. I have asked Avi-san to produce this film with me, and we now have officially started development of the film with Nintendo itself heavily involved in the production. It will take time until its completion, but I hope you look forward to seeing it. So yeah. Miyamoto's like, it's happening, I'm producing. Live action is the only thing that we really know. And then with the director. Yeah, I mean, much like Nintendo partnering with Illumination for the Mario movie, this is very much like, look, you're definitely going to get a movie out of this deal that's going to be profitable, but there's not necessarily a lot of confidence amongst us fans that this is going to be the best movie in the world. Uh, I pulled up uh, Avi Arad's filmography after we talked about what movies he did or didn't produce. Like I said, he's had his hand on like most Marvel movies not produced by the MCU. So like, for example, like I said, he did Daredevil. He did the Ang Lee Hulk, uh, the Punisher, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, and also the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Obviously, he had a hand in the MCU Spider-Man movies because those were like joint efforts and he worked on the Spider-Verse movies. But then he's also been involved in Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, Morbius and the upcoming Craven the Hunter movie, which I, I know those movies really don't appeal to a lot of people because it's like, man, you're really just trying to spite Marvel and be like, well, fuck you. We're, we're going to build our own Spider-Verse and it's going to be excellent, but it's just consistently not very good. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we'll, we'll have to see how this develop, how this um, develops. It doesn't hurt that... Um, what's the name of the director again that's going to be involved in this? Wes Ball. The trailer for that new Planet of the Apes movie came out uh, just this past week, and it looks pretty good. I mean, not a bad first impression. And I I know that he did those Maze Runner movies as well, but I don't have any opinion on those. We'll see how this turns out. I would say, based on Maze Runner, I could see him making like a fun, like, you know, not a kid-friendly movie, but like a a, a middle-aged, teen-centric, like, I like Maze Runner. I thought the first movie was really fun, really good. 
Mm. Um, it's just like a young adult. I mean, you think of like Hunger Games. It's a similar feel to that. Um, sure. So you could do that. I just don't. Yeah, for me, it's just like, what's the direction and what's the story? Because when you think on the Mario movie, which is the most successful movie this year, um, and I think it's like good, but it's like fine. Like the movie's mm -hmm. fine, but it's like, okay, they really did a lot of like, hey, do you know about Mario? It's all in there. And the animation is beautiful. Story's like, whatever, it's fine. It's a kid's movie. So I'm like, what kind of tone and what kind of, you know, vibe are you going for with The Legend of Zelda? Like, what Zelda are we going to, you know, like make this based off of like you know there's a lot of questions there i mean i'm sure it'll be fine at worst it'll be fine and it'll still make a lot of money but it's like what are you gonna what are you aiming for is my big question we definitely at some point in the future have to do an episode of the podcast where we fan cast who we think would be good in these roles because a whole lot of people on twitter are being like oh timothy charla whatever his name is and what's his face <laughs> from uncharted and spider-man should be in it and like yeah, for sure. But I feel like we can come up with more creative answers. I will say, like, you know, it, it feels like a kind of gulf has been left by the Lord of the Rings movies and the, you know, amount of time that has passed in Sim and also the, you know, failure of the Hobbit movies to really kind of capture the imagination. I feel like there is definitely room for this movie to kind of like become a new benchmark within the kind of high fantasy genre but again just a whole lot of unknowns and as Shigeru Miyamoto himself said when he tweeted out about this like we are quite a few years away from this so we will have to wait and see yeah you'll know when he knows uh very cool I'm I'm interested I think you could be fun at, at the worst uh we're gonna go ahead and move on to playtime we're gonna talk about things that we've played that's why we call it playtime Alex yes. You've started in Platinum to finish stuff. What's this all about, you busy, busy bee? <laughs> oh, man. I had just one hell of a busy Saturday to start the day off. Uh, beat Super Mario Wonder. Uh, just really had a fantastic time with that game. Love, like, all the kind of wonders that you can activate in that game. Love the way that the kind of final few levels of that game kind of bring everything together and reference all the crazy, wacky levels you had along the way. I would say the single favorite thing uh my single favorite thing in super mario wonder however is the way that they implemented multiplayer for when you're playing the game single player uh, i don't know to what extent you kind of paid attention to like a lot of the kind of like videos and overviews of the game leading up to its release but basically the way that it works in the game is if you're playing single player you can turn on ghosts for other players that are playing concurrently to you and these other players that are playing concurrently to you uh, can, you know, as you play, uh, reveal to you, oh, hey, I can see that player over there is standing on seemingly midair. That must mean that there must be an invisible platform underneath them. And you can kind of use the own ways in which they're playing through levels to kind of reference uh, secrets and hidden coins and hidden whatnots that you otherwise would have not found. On top of that, when you die, uh, your ghost uh, can pop up and if it interacts with another player or another standee that they left behind, which is like a little item they can leave behind in levels, you can instantly revive yourself. And so it's just, it, it makes the process of completing these levels feel like that much more collaborative uh, than it previously felt before. And I really kind of appreciate it for that. Uh, the game also has these individual levels uh, every now and then where the whole premise of them is you're kind of uh, deposited into a seemingly empty room and you kind of have to like figure it out kind of like a an escape room like how uh, how do i get out of this place where are all of its secrets located and those levels are always fun because all the ghosts of the uh other players that are playing through the escape level can be seen as well and so it's sort of this game of like can we collaboratively figure out how to get through this level. Oh, I see those ghost players are pushing up against that column over there. I must have to push it as well. It's one of those things where it reminded me a lot of how in Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U, uh, the, that game had like a Captain Toad level um, uh, every so often in it. And those Toad levels were, Captain Toad levels were so successful that they eventually spun those out into a game that was entirely just those Captain Toad levels called Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And I kind of felt very similarly about these escape room levels in Mario Wonder of like, this is like such a good idea, such a brilliant idea of having players collaboratively over the internet try to solve these levels that like, I feel like Nintendo could even 
spin these levels out into like their own game but you know time remains to be seen whether we will ever get anything like that we'll say don't love how easy so many of the boss battles were in Super Mario Wonder. With the exception of the last boss battle, I thought a lot of the kind of mid-boss battles were not that impressive. Um, but again, I feel like the package really came together in the end. And now that I'm in the post-game, I'm really happy I did not go out of my way to clean up all the levels to 100% completion during my first playthrough because I have a lot of levels left to clean up and I'm like really excited and really looking forward to doing so. Got a question, um, two questions. Yes. How long did it take you to finish? Not 100% obviously, but to finish the... Not long at all, actually. Uh, I mean, it's tough because like I played it over the span of like five nights, but mm -hmm. I would say probably like 10, 12 hours maximum. Not that long at all. Gotcha. And then, so we played New Super Mario Brothers U uh, as a barf game, a backlog game that we reviewed. Yes. And obviously you've played a lot of the, basically all of the Mario 2D games and 3D, yeah. right? I mean, you played all the Mario games. Is hmm. this, so basically what I've been hearing is that it's like, yeah, it's similar to those, but it's very, like you're saying, it's like really creative. Because, you know, mm -hmm. like, again, we talk about in New Super Mario Brothers U, there was like the Starry Night level, and then that was really it, and then everything else was pretty yeah. much normal fare is there actually do you feel like there's a lot of creativity talking about the escape rooms oh, and all the other stuff is a hundred percent it definitely does live up to that particular praise that it's receiving for sure cool because that's the that's yeah. the thing it's like yeah if everything is actually really cool and different then they did the thing that they should have done but they did it now which is good yeah i, I tweeted okay. out after i beat it like I, I still have a lot of nostalgia for super mario world that might still be my personal favorite 2D Mario game, but Mario Wonder is really special. M much better than any of the other prior 2D Mario games from the past couple of decades. All those new sure. Super Mario games that yeah, no one likes really, which is weird, which is crazy. Yeah. But that's good that they got back on track. Uh, continue. And so, yeah, and so I completed that in the morning. Uh, middle of the day, went out, caught some Pokemans and Pokemon Go, got myself a big old shiny Garchomp from a raid. Uh, and then in the evening, I was like, man, I have a couple more levels to complete in Lives of P before I platinum that game. I wonder if I can pull it off. And ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to announce that your boy, thanks to pulling in some real light night hours uh, last night, is the proud owner of the Lies of P Platinum Trophy. Let me tell you guys, let me tell you guys, this was a tough ass Platinum. I had to play through this game three times, and on the second and third time, I had to pull out all the soft so I could complete its optional final boss. Although I will say, I will say third time around, the final kind of like true optional boss of the game, not hard at all. Um, I, I'll, I'll try to kind of like, condense this as much as possible because this is probably going to just sound like nonsense to people that haven't played the game but so like the true final boss is like this crazy ass super fast super hard hitting puppet that can just hit you from all directions and really do a number on you first time i played through the game my first playthrough i was like i can't do this i can't beat this guy and i basically kind of gave up before the getting was good and started my second playthrough. Second time around, you know, looked up a lot of strategies online. They all recommended do this trick where basically you hold up this like one shield ability that you have and like basically strike while you have your shield up. It's a very kind of like slow ability. You can't do a lot of damage with it per second, but it is a kind of consistent way to get damage in while defending yourself. The thing is, is holding the shield up does use a fair bit of energy itself. And so you still have to take time to like remain unshielded and walk around and properly replenish your kind of resources. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the uh, enemy also has certain attacks called rage attacks where it glows red, where when it hits you with a rage attack, uh, it will hit you even if you're shielded. You have to. You are only able to dodge out of the way, which can be very kind or of challenging. Parry. Right or parry. Um, the thing is, is once you begin your third playthrough of Lives of P via like new game plus, restart the game all over again. Uh, the game gives you the option to turn on an ability that makes it so that you can also block those normally unblockable attacks. And basically that kind of completely trivializes the uh, final true boss of the game. It doesn't trivialize all the other bosses because all the other bosses function differently. There are some bosses that like 
don't necessarily inflict a lot of damage, but they do make you fall over, for example. And so that strategy doesn't necessarily work for them. But for the final boss, this strategy that I kind of developed to defeat it the last time around worked so well that I literally beat it on my second try. So, I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, ah, I do kind of wish that the final, final, true final boss of the game, last thing I did before I got the platinum was like a real challenge. But then again, the fact that I was able to cheese it so easily, I see that as indicative of just like the level of experience and knowledge that I gained with this game, that I was able to kind of like synthesize all of that into a one perfect boss battle. Yeah, but, you got good. Yeah. I got a question exactly. for you. I got good. That's the best way of putting it. <laughs> so I know you like this game a lot. Obviously, you platinumed it. Looking back now, how upset? Well, I'm I'm upset. How mm. much do you feel you betrayed me by not actually playing through Elden Ring? Because last year for Game of the Year, it was like obviously it was Elden Ring and God of War, and then Chad's like, "Well, I'm a baby gamer, so I can't play Elden Ring." And you played a little bit of it, but you didn't finish it. So if you would have finished it, you would have agreed with me it was the Game of the Year. So everything would have been different. But now that you're Liza P Master, you know maybe you would should have played Elden Ring. That's all I'm saying. See. I don't feel like I betrayed you because <laughs> Elden Ring, I think, w was both, uh, I think, r really elevated as an experience, but I think also hamstrung a little bit by just how kind of open-ended it was. Lies of P, by comparison, is like a much more linear experience. It like signposts much more obviously where it is that you need to go and what it is that you need to do. Like, if I, I, I felt like when I played... Um, Elden Ring last year, I gave it as much effort as I gave Lies of P, and I ultimately fell off of it just because I got overwhelmed. It's not because I didn't decide to get good or commit or anything like that. That's just no. You just wanted to break my heart. That's all it was, and I agree with Chad with his. I mean, there, awful there's opinions. a little bit of that too, but yeah. Anyways, it's awful. No, that's true though. How how long was your even your platinum for Lies of P was probably shorter than an Elden Ring run. Yeah, fuck. I um because the game does have like an in-game clock that I could go and check right now. I don't know. I I'd love to go and check it. I'm it sure it's on how be long like, to beat. There's got to yeah, be like a completionist. But also like I definitely let me let me check the PS app real quick cuz I bet the mm. PS app actually has the amount of time. Oh, here we go. Perfect. 109 hours. 109 hours. Now I will say I will say I spent more time than with the game than I necessarily needed to because all the trophy guides are like, if you kind of want to platinum this game, you basically only need to platinum uh, play through the game two times. I played through the game three times because, as previously discussed, I wasn't able to seal the deal and beat the true final boss of my first attempt. Basically, the idea is, the, the way that all these guides go is like, all right, once you get to the end of your first run, make a save before you beat the true final boss, then lose to the true final boss and get that ending, then reload your save, then beat the true final boss and then get that ending, clean up anything that you need to do post-game, start your new game plus, beat that playthrough and you're done. Again, I didn't want to do that. And so I went the long way around so three. doing three, three playthroughs. But I mean, it still would have been quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'd have to imagine that. I mean, it's tough because it's like, I probably spent maybe 15 hours on like my final playthrough of the game, but... Anyways, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, like the amount of time, the extra time that I spent on this game that I didn't necessarily need to have spent on this game to platinum it was time that I needed to, I mean, get good enough to be able to platinum it in the first place. So it is kind of a chicken or the egg situation. I mean, that's me, my Elden Ring, because I think that first run I did was like 130 hours. That's because I did everything, beat every boss, every dungeon. So on my next playthrough, like. I got to like the third boss and it took me like three hours. Like I was just blazing through everything. So yeah, that's, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, but the last thing you did is also exciting. Ooh boy. Look at this. I'm looking at a list. Other people aren't. So you got to tell them what happened. <laughs> I just started Alan Wake 2. Emphasis on the just started part. I'm only two chapters into the game. Uh, Saga, the first character that uh i've begun the game as just met up with a, a certain character of particular interest and i'll leave it at that and yeah I, i'm having a lot of fun with the game so far i'm loving the vibe the process of like going back and forth between the game and saga's sort of mind palace where she's assembling the mystery together is a lot of fun uh 
gotta say, it's going to be really, really hard to go back to the original Alan Wake now after playing this game, just because of how much better this game is. Um, when I beat the original Alan Wake like uh, a month and a half ago, I initially was thinking, oh man, I had a lot of fun with this game. This game actually surprised me how much I enjoyed it. I should probably platinum it before the kind of window to do so escapes me. And now I feel like that window has fully escaped me because now that I've played this game, like it is going to be tough to go back to that game. But I guess that's uh, the price to pay for playing a game that is as good so far as Alan Wake 2. Yeah, it's just Alan Wake 2 is good and Alan Wake 1 is 13 years old. <laughs> it is hard to go back to things yeah. that old. So That is true. Very cool. I think I'll have to double check it. I'll double check about it in the show. But I'm pretty sure that based on our barf polls, so for November, December, instead of doing backlog game, we have people vote on games we need to play for game of the year. I'm pretty sure I'll double check it. I know for sure Chad is playing Alan Wake 2 as part of that. Mm. I think the vote also had me playing Alan Wake 2. So I'll Ooh, double check that. Should but check. Yeah. Yeah. It's either Alan Wake or Sea of Stars, which I might just do both. But uh, yeah, very cool. Awesome. Uh, so for me, besides watching Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 until 3 in the morning, I started Thirsty Suitors, which Ooh. was a little indie game from Annapurna. It is a, uh, you're a South uh, Asian woman and you're, it's basically Scott Pilgrim where you're like going to your, your old hometown and you have to battle all your exes. It's a little turn-based game. You do some cooking stuff. You just skateboarding. It's real like, you know, it's one of those kind of vibes. It reminds me a little bit of Venbo, but if Venbo was like a cartoon <laughs> and not just like talking about real life stuff, if they was like over the top. I see some similarities there. I only got like an hour or so into it, but it's pretty fun. It, it's Scott Pilgrim. If Scott Pilgrim was a was a woman, <laughs> basically. Okay. Uh, real quick before you move on to the next game, uh, over on patreon.com slash fire, where you can vote in our barf polls, um, Sea of Stars and Alan Wake 2 were both tied uh, at 40% of the vote each. Mm -hmm. uh, but over on Twitter... Alan Wake 2 managed to pull ahead with 50% of the vote there. So mathematically, you are playing Alan Wake 2. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I just thank you for double checking. So yeah, I'll definitely be playing Alan Wake 2. I believe it's also Chad's winner, but I think I'll probably have time for Sea of Stars. We'll see. All I have to play is Alan Wake 2. Outside of that, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. Uh, so very good. We'll all be playing that. Uh, and the last thing was Baldur's Gate 3. I'm in the middle of Act 3. I'm getting near the end of the game. I'm doing all the stuff. All the reveals are happening. Man, that game's good. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, having fun with that. Not much. Cool. I didn't really play a lot. I did just watch a lot of Spider-Man. <laughs> like an idiot. All right, moving on to our quest log. That's where we talk about the other stories that happen. The next best-selling game of all time is getting shown off soon. From Ryan Dinsdale at IGN.com. Rockstar Games has announced it will finally debut its highly anticipated GTA 6 reveal trailer in December of 2023. Rockstar didn't share, uh, share a full reveal for the game, but did say that it was, quote, very excited to finally debut GTA 6. We are very excited to let you know that in early December, we will release the first trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto. We look forward to many years of sharing these experiences uh, with all of you. That is from Rockstar's uh, Twitter. Uh, thanks to the incredible support of our players worldwide. We've had the opportunity to create games we're truly passionate about. Without you, none of this would be possible. We are so grateful uh, to all of you for sharing this journey with us. Rockstar added. So, the big one. It's coming. Trailer. I'll, I have it's a coming. I have a story about this. Because, I mean, it's just like the news story that is a thing that's happening. So, when I worked at GameStop. So, I mean, the story will give it away. I would, yeah, every, you know, people who've ever worked there, you've got to ask people for pre-orders. you got to up. When people upsell you at GameStop, it's because they literally have to. Like, the management's mm. like, you have to do this. It's, I believe me, I didn't want to do it. I didn't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> but they said like you're supposed to do this, and I every time I would ask people, you know that they're so you would see someone you're like, all right, this guy's a hardcore gamer. They're in here buying Tales and Symphonia HD and whatever these weirdos, right? But so many people were like, I'm just coming here to buy 2K. I'm coming here to buy Madden, and they did not. Uh, I heard I'm not kidding. Maybe 50 people who are like, I don't pre-order games, but whenever they t talk about GTA 5, I will come pre-order that video game. Like, that is the thing that, like, when that trailer came out and that news came out, then people were actually like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Because this is the only thing that a, a mass majority of human beings only care about playing Grand Theft Auto and Madden every year. 
Uh, so it's just going to be funny when this trailer comes up. People are like, oh shit, that's out now? And they'll go fucking do whatever they got. Probably not pre-order anymore because that was, you know, 12 years ago. But yeah. it's just very funny that that was the only thing that moved the needle for like a, a vast majority of people. I, I will say, I, I don't have too much else to say. You know, in the lead up to this uh, game's release, a lot of people have speculated, are they going to call it Grand Theft Auto 6 with like the Roman numerals like V and I? Are they going to do Grand Theft Auto 6, but then lead it into saying Vice City? Because leaks and rumors have suggested that it may or may not take, in, take place in a certain Florida-inspired Miami-esque city. Uh, I would love it. I would, and I know it's not going to happen, but I would love it if this game was revealed to be called something completely different. Like if it's called like Far Cry 6 Revengeance or whatever. Far Cry 6 Revengeance. That'd be wild. Um, another random funny story about when I worked at GameStop. Grand Theft Auto Ooh. 4, people would literally, you not a lot of people, you get a couple of people come there, like, hey, what's that? You guys had that GTA IV? GTA IV, huh? Not, we're just not going to say within the normal. We're not going to, you know what, sir? Here it is. There yeah. you go. So it was very so, funny so, that people said the Roman numeral instead of knowing it was a number. Yeah. Some people didn't pass high school, unfortunately. Yeah. No. That is, yeah. Look, looking forward to this. Very cool. Looking forward to this. Definitely not going to be a game awards. Zero no. percent chance. Sadly. No, no. Sadly. They do it. They I would want. not, uh, I'll say this right here. I'll, I'll get a little bit spicy. I would not be surprised if while the, main gta 6 reveal will not be at game awards i would not be surprised if we get a fun little trailer at the game awards that reveals a particular fun thing about gta 6 kind of like and this is a weird comparison but stick with me on this um uh several months prior to the 2014 game awards or maybe it was the 2013 game awards doesn't matter Nintendo revealed, hey, we got a new Donkey Kong game coming along. It's Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. And at the Game Awards, they revealed, hey, guess what? Cranky Kong is coming to Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. I He's going to be one that. of your playable God. characters in that game. And I think I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that we could get a similarly small reveal at the Game Awards of an aspect of Grand Theft Auto 6 that will still make people be like, oh, that's pretty cool. No, yeah, neat. Or it could be like a Hey, Jeff Keighley would be happy to get it. Be like, hey, a trailer starts up and it just has a Rockstar logo. And it's like, watch this fucking basketball or football game for the actual trailer. And that's what he gets. I wouldn't be shocked yeah. with that either. Um, uh, what if they, they reveal Goat Simulator 4, but it starts like a Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer, like they did for that one Goat Simulator game? If they were smart, they would do that. That would be amazing. Um, all right. Next up, new sexy Steam Deck from Taylor Lyles at IGN.com. Valve has announced the next iteration of the Steam Deck. Not Steam Deck 2, by the way. Just a, a little half. An update. Uh, with the release date set for November 16th. That's later this week. Uh, the Steam Deck OLED will feature an enhanced OLED display, better audio, and a handful of quality of life improvements. It will also feature what looks to be a big boost in battery life, with Valve claiming an estimated 30-50% to 50 improvement over the launch version. Steam Deck OLED model will be available in two storage configurations, 512 gigabytes and one terabyte, which will cost 550 and 650 respectively. While the new OLED screen offers an increased 90 hertz refresh rate, it still outputs at a native 1280 by 800. Uh, the Steam Deck OLED also includes a Wi-Fi 6E module that allows up to three times faster download speeds or better performance when playing games online. This was pretty cool when they were just like, hey, by the way, there's a new model coming out next week. You fucking go enjoy that. And again, I don't want to... I like the idea of a Steam Deck. I don't really play games portable, so it doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, even with, with the Switch OLED, I'm like, yo, OLED portables are fucking sexy. So I'm not against it. Yeah, I mean, looks cool. No interest myself in picking it up. But, you know, shout out to all you who want to get it. Do you... Do you do anything with your PC besides when you were maybe playing games that weren't natively made by Nintendo at a certain point? <laughs> uh, allegedly. Uh, yeah, I don't really do much with my PC. Most of my time spent on PC is like tinkering in OBS and mm -hmm. doing stuff of that nature. Don't really do a lot of gaming there. Yeah, doing work. I've I've yeah. enjoyed my time. I've always thought, like, man, a Steam Deck would make sense because I have Steam account, got a lot of games. But I'm just like... I can't quantify spending that much money for a portable device when I don't use portable devices. 
But mm-hmm. they they always entice me. I'm like, that would be cool. But no, that's cool. I do. I will say that the special edition one looks pretty cool. It's like black and red. Or no, it's like translucent and gray and, and red on it. It's pretty cool. Ooh. Um, all right. And last for the day, small pivot for PlayStation from Andy Robinson at VG. Uh, don't delete that. Oh, whoops. D- did you not want me to delete that? I never. Here it's back. So uh, just for everyone who knows, a couple weeks ago on a segment, I had uh, Alex in uh, Oh, chat. this is from that one segment where I did the where we decided on your uh, picks for the, what's it called? Fantasy Yeah, League. we did a fantasy draft. Okay, that's right. I was like, I saw all these random names and I was like, is that something that I put there at some point that I forgot about? <laughs> I should probably delete it to clean this up. Well, no, I we forgot can, about that. We're here Sorry. now, so it's fine. Here's what it is, is that, yeah, I never put it into Fantasy Critic just because, like, it was giving me problems and I had to, like, invite someone to do it. It was a, it was a pain in the ass. I will go ahead and say, we'll just, we're here, we'll do it. Chad's not here. He can cry at home when he listens to the audio. Uh, Alex chose Mario Wonder, Persona 5 Tactica, and Dusant. Now, Persona 5 Tactica isn't out yet, but just based on Mario Wonder and Dusant, I think you're going to beat Chad. His games were Wizard with a Gun, WarioWare, Move It, and RoboCop, which all did fine in reviews mm. and yeah. you have one game which is actually like uh, over a 90 i think by default you win yeah so you can delete it now if you'd like to you you want our little exercise that's not even with i think even without persona 5 you win which is funny because chad has done two fantasy leagues this year one against me and one against you he's lost both of them just a, wow. a fun thing to point out <laughs> get good chad uh all right on to our last story. Small pivot for PlayStation from Andy Robinson of EGC. Uh, SIE has halved the number of live service games it plans to release over the next few years. It has been confirmed. Earlier this year, PlayStation management uh, team confirmed that it had partnered with Destiny Studio Bungie for a rigorous portfolio review process. According to press reports, this has led to some projects being scaled back. We are reviewing this. Uh, we are trying uh, We are trying as much as possible to ensure these games are enjoyed and liked by gamers for a long time. Uh, of the 12 titles, six titles will be released by uh, fiscal year 25. That's our current plan. As for the remaining six titles, we are still working on that. So what a surprise. Wow. You know what? I will say again, I don't have a problem with games of service. I don't have a problem with multiplayer games. I think going all in and trying to make 12 before any, any of them come out does seem silly, not knowing how it's going to work. I think scaling back, like, all right, let's focus on the ones that we have focus on the ones that Bungie said is worth our time. And then from there, see how it goes. Cause that they were going all in. I'm like, that seems like a, a thing you should have done six years ago and not <laughs> right now. So, mm. um, yeah, you probably weren't going to play any of these, were you? I'm still not interested in any no, of them. No, I, I would have definitely checked out Marathon if people said it was good. Cause I did play a little bit of Bungie back in the day and sorry, of Destiny back in the day. Played a little bit of other Bungie games too, but Destiny I had fun with. I just found there were a lot of systems and things to keep track of. And so I definitely would have given Marathon a shot if it was, you know, also that kind of a premium experience. And I mean, Marathon is still coming out. So I I should be saying I will give it a shot. Um, Yeah. Other than that, though, honestly, no, not really. Yeah, people who have done more work than me might have done this and figured out what the six are. So we know Last of Us multiplayer, which is like yeah. not being worked on, is being worked on, whatever. Fair games, yeah. Concord. The Horizon Monster Horizon Hunter multiplayer. Game, possibly, if that is... We don't even know if that is a free-to-play yeah. games-as-a-service game, but you would assume so. In Marathon. I, would, I think, again, if they're free-to-play, maybe I'll check them out, but like... Asking There's me to spend- also the... Um, the fantasy game from Polyphony, the, the the studio that does the, oh, the, did, like, the VR games. Uh, not not no, I got Polyph- Polyphony was the wrong name. It's the studio that did uh, the VR gangster games set in oh, London's London? underground. London Studio, Studio London. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. yeah okay. They were they were working on a fantasy game. They, they've talked about that. I think. Yeah. Again, I I'm I'm willing to give it a try, but ask me to spend seventy dollars for uh, extraction shooter might be a tougher sell but focus make them good and then if reviews are good i'm willing to check it out uh that's all the stories for today it was actually surprisingly like a lot of big important new stuff happened this week it was pretty cool because it hasn't been that way lately but moving on to that now that we're done with that stuff hmm all right my segment and your game on game show are the same it the same thing 
So we're just going to move on to the Game On Game Show segment from Adam this week. Uh, I guess you want to go ahead and talk about what you what you want to do with this? Yeah. Uh, so real quick, real quick. Normally, this would be a week where we would have uh, TMI with NPD. Uh, this specifically would have been TMI with NPD for the year 2006. But I like to do that segment when we have both Chad and Adam here, or at least two people, so that they can both guess and we can you know crown a winner at the end. Uh, Chad is not here. He's currently on a plane going somewhere so that will be next week if everything works out um in place of that uh because tomorrow the game awards nominees uh, are going to be revealed to the world for this year's game award show i figured it would be fun to predict what we think the nominees will be in some of the categories not all of them because there are definitely some categories in the game awards i don't have a whole lot to say about uh i figured at least in my case, it would be fun to guess the nominees for Best Adaptation, Best Role-Playing Game, Best Action-Adventure Game, Best Indie Game, Best Performance in a Game, uh, Best Narrative in a Game, Best Game Direction, and Game of the Year. And I know, Adam, you we were talking about this a little bit before the show. You also um, went and drafted up some predictions, but for not as many categories. Yeah, no, I've got some ideas for, especially the big one I do for sure. Uh, and yeah. the great thing about this is when the podcast comes out, you can go back and check our work and see if we know what we're talking about or not. Yeah. it's always and fun so to predict. The, the way that we'll make this work is if I come across a category that we've both made our predictions for, we'll just list them off. If it's just one I made, you can chime in and say whether or not you agree or disagree with some of my nominations. So... Let's go to the top of the list. Best adaptation. Uh, I will say all the other uh, categories uh, that I filled out nominations for, like there were like a few titles I had to debate between. This one, there were literally just five that I could come up with. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's the nomination list. It is uh, The Last of Us, the HBO series, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, the Gran Turismo movie, the Twisted Metal movie, and uh, sorry, the Twisted Metal TV show starring Jason Manzukis and yes. <laughs> the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Oh. I will say, uh, when I kind of came up with this initial um, shortlist, I was like, man, feels like there haven't been that many video game movies and TV shows this year, even though all of those movies or TV shows left an impression to some degree. And I actually looked up an article from like, I think it was Games Radar from the beginning of the year that was like all the potential video game TV shows and movies we could get this year. And there were like a ton of things on that list. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we should have gotten that this year, but like it didn't materialize like the fallout series, which is coming is on its way, yeah. but you know, taking its time. So I've got a couple of things to make out your list. I don't know if there's six, every category or just depends on the category. There was, um, uh, a Castlevania series that came out this year on Netflix. That's right. And there was also Forgot the laser Hawk. Captain Laserhawk, which is apparently just like Ubisoft Battle Royale, the TV show, which apparently was also interesting. I'm just going to say Castlevania. I haven't watched yeah. either one of them, but I would just say if, Castlevania. If we were to replace one well, that will make your on this list with Castlevania, well, but are there, isn't it five for non-game of the year categories? You might be right. I don't know. So if you're right, yeah, then... I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that it's, it's five for every category, but game of the year, which six. is six. Okay. Well then you're good then. What was your, I would, yeah, no, you, you named movies and TV shows that were big. I think that would go over, unless it's like an arcane. I don't think yeah. that anyone treated, I, I think people like that Castlevania. I don't think anyone's like, this is the greatest thing ever. I will say winner, winner is obviously probably going to be Last of Us because it's an HBO show, but Five yeah. Nights at Freddy's, no slouch. I will say that is a very good adaptation of what that okay. is. See, good. I would have... Uh, I would have said maybe we should replace Five Night at Freddy's with Castlevania. But if you're saying that that one was actually pretty good, then I feel like maybe maybe replace Gran Turismo with Castlevania. That was my thing is that like maybe replace Gran Turismo because that one seems to be on the lowest on the list. But it's an actually theatrical release movie. So maybe that gets more merit because it mm. I would think Castlevania's better. But I'll put you know what I'll do is I'll put Gran Turismo slash Castlevania. There we I know go. that's kind of against the rules, but. <laughs> I mean, we get to make up the rules, so... Yeah. Last cares? of Us wins that for sure, though, without a doubt. Yeah. All right. Best role-playing games. So, this is one of those categories where I definitely had to debate over my mind what I wanted to put on this list of nominations. Kill a few babies here and there. Kill babies? Um, 
And, and I do want to mention, uh, and this is something I did with all these lists of nominations, is I listed the games in order of the time of the year in which they released. So starting at the top, Fire Emblem Engage, Final Fantasy 16, Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, and Lies of P. So Fire Emblem Engage, I, I recognize that's probably the one game on the list that's like, hmm, feels a little bit most out of sorts with the games around it. I mean, I don't think that this game has necessarily a great chance of winning anything at the award show, but I do feel like we tend to underestimate the amount of fervor that Nintendo fans have for Nintendo RPGs, lest we forget last year at the Game Awards, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was one of the nominees for Game of the Years there. And so I feel like Fire Emblem Engage has a similar shot of weaseling into this category because I know there were a lot of people when that game came out that were like, this game is actually really good. And there were a lot of people that were specifically like, this game is giving me what I want out of the Fire Emblem series that Fire Emblem Three Houses did not give me a couple of years prior. Um, and yeah, Final Fantasy 16, Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, and Lies of P, I feel like are all pretty self-explanatory. Lies of P, I mean, my bias is showing a little bit with that one, mm -hmm. but um, real good game. So here's the thing that this category is going to be a bloodbath, right? Because it's like, what's an RBG and not? Here's a couple big games that you did not put on your list, but I think that could get in over some of those. Diablo 4? Yeah, Diablo 4, I mean... I had a lot of fun with Diablo 4. It's definitely going to be on like my personal favorite games uh, of the year list, but like it feels like the conversation has fallen off a little bit from that game. Yeah. But. Uh, there's Sea of Stars, which I definitely think gets in on that list for sure. I think if okay. anywhere that's getting Sea of Stars is getting in on this one. Uh, you also have uh, Phantom Liberty, mm. which is like, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a 92 on Metacritic. So people obviously like that. And that's where you would put it is an RPG. Um, on top of, uh, there was one more that I saw on here. They have, I typed in best RPGs and they have Jedi, uh, Survivor. Yeah, I wouldn't really, I mean, that game, like so more many action. Is there an action, action category? It, so many action, uh, there is action and action adventure, okay. but I just it'd get in one of those. action adventure. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely, I'd be willing to put Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty in here somewhere. Would you put it over Starfield? No, I think Starfield gets in. Okay. I think so it's like number three you... or four on, on the vote list. So if we have Fire Emblem Engage, Final Fantasy, Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, and Lies of P, like which one would you take off then? I would say, again, I'm going based on the voters, and I don't think yeah. that Lies of P makes it in this category. I think they put that in action game. So I think Lies of P doesn't go in, and they put in Cyberpunk, or they put in Sea of Stars. But I definitely think Fire Emblem stays, and then all the other ones are like, Gimmies, of course, these are making it in. I'll put I'll put Phantom Liberty as the slash for mm -hmm. Lies of P. Okay. All right. Very Best cool. action adventure game. And yeah, again, this is in the order of when these games release during the year. Uh Dead Space, Resident Evil 4, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Spider-Man 2, and Alan Wake 2. Very good. I would say that. Dead Space is the one that doesn't get in here, and they put in Survivor instead. Because hmm. I think if you're going to do a horror remake, people like Resident Evil. It seems like people like RE4 remake. I mean, Dead Space is good. All those, both those, all these games are good. Like this is a crazy year. I feel like people cared more about RE remake than they did Dead Space remake. So you put because they were like, well, we got to put Star Wars in here somewhere because that game was cool. So I feel like that would go in over the Dead Space remake, which I don't know. I'm just, just me guessing what you know. Uh, people who vote on yeah. these would think. Yeah, I mean, I and I can also see Jedi Survivor weaseling in there on the basis of the fact that it just came out in the year a little bit more recently. When you release a game all the way back in uh, January, you, you risk forget, having it yeah. get forgotten about, even though I don't feel like Dead Space is utterly forgotten about. All right, uh, best indie. Uh, I put down Dredge, Cassette Beasts, Dave the Diver, Sea of Stars, and Cocoon. Uh, mm. I just want to touch very quickly, uh, in uh, assembling together this list, I try to stick to indie games that really kind of like exemplify the spirit of what is an indie game. I didn't really want to 
be like, well, technically Baldur's Gate 3 is an indie game because it's published independently, even though I know some people will uh, debate me on that. Um, Cassette Beasts, even though I don't think that has a great chance of winning it, I did put that in there because that game has had uh, a fair bit of momentum behind it. Are you familiar with Cassette Beasts? Yep. I tried it yeah. out for a little bit when it came out. I told you about yeah. it, and you're like, I'm not interested. Oh, really? It's not real Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked oh, yeah, about it on this right. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I feel like I still like have people within my circles that like still do talk about that game. And so I feel like on that basis alone, I feel like it has a shot, at least at a nomination. Okay. So qu give me your five one more time, because I think I've got only one that I would probably switch it out on. Dredge, yeah. Cassette Beasts. Uh, Dave the Diver, mm -hmm. Sea of Stars, and Cocoon. So, unrelated to this, because they're different awards, but they're similar, that the Golden Joystick Awards just happened this past weekend, which is another mm -hmm. video game. I think it's like British gaming media people, uh, or European, not British. Um, and they had in their category, similar to what you said, but instead of Cassette Beast, they had Pizza Tower, which is a game that, that was... people were horny for at the beginning of the year. N no joke, in the when I was assembling this list, it was literally between Pizza Tower and Cassette Beasts. So I put and a slash the there. Yeah, the reason why I went with Cassette Beasts is because I just thought, like, between a game that is trying to evoke Wario Land and a game that is trying to evoke Pokemon, I feel like more people will have played the Pokemon-like as opposed to the Wario Land-like. That was sort of my reasoning. Yeah, I put a slash uh, there. Because that yeah, was a big... A that's true, but I do think that Pizza Tower is such a big Twitch thing or like a social media thing for a little bit, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think regardless, it goes to see a star or dredge. I think those are the two that people are into this year. But I do think that's a good list. All right. Uh, moving on to best performance in a video game. I put down Ben Starr as Clive uh, Rosenfield in Final Fantasy 16. Uh, Neil Newbon, Newbon, I don't know if that's how his name's pronounced, as... Uh, Astarion, again, don't know if that's how it's pronounced either. No, in you're, you're, getting three. you're getting close. <laughs> um, Idris Elbin is Solomon Reed in Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Uh, Melanie Libbard as Saga in Alan Wake 2. And mm. Matthew Peretta as Alan Wake in Alan Wake 2. Good. I definitely think the Ben, St ben Star, obviously. Everyone's loving him. He, he also just won the Golden Joystick. The, other, yeah. the second guy he just won for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Idris Elba because they liked it. Well, first of all, he's very good, but also they like to. There's always a celebrity who gets in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he's also very good. And what were your last two? They were um, oh uh, from Alan Wake Two. Yeah, the actors that play Saga and Alan Wake in Alan Wake Two. Mm -hmm. I think Matthew Peretta who plays Alan Wake. Like I feel like he's probably the longest shot on this list. But I will say, like the guy has been doing a lot of work over the years. Uh, he was. Um, I want to say that he was the like scientist in control that like mm. basically was like the head scientist of the organization that was like telling you about the way that all these like crazy things within the bureau worked and was like really like fascinated and uh, kind of excited to tell you about that stuff. Like that was a great performance there. And I can see maybe this year, maybe another year people being like, you've had like a career of really great roles and we want to reward you for it, but we Very will good. see. I, I like yeah. the list. I have three names. Just put them underneath it. Asterisk, sure. it doesn't matter. I don't remember his name, but he's the guy from Game of Thrones who was in Diablo and um, oh, Final yeah. Fantasy. I would say for Diablo. Maybe, I don't know. What is he? Is he Sid in Final Fantasy? I don't remember. I don't fucking play Final he's, Fantasy. He's, um, fuck, I'm trying to remember. What's his name? He's like the guy that was part of the Haradrim who's yeah. now like a guy who's like real old and he's like trying to rally the troops in like humanity's darkest hour my thing about that role is i really like that guy too but i feel like a lot of people that played diablo 4 were just like oh story stuff skip 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 maybe so didn't really bother that's why i put an asterisk um next i would say uh cameron monahan from jedi again celebrity people like him and then the last one would be uh nazi nazi jeter miles from spider-man 2 yeah, all, all good roles. I feel like, I mean, I feel like uh, uh, Monaghan, who played Cal Kestis, I mean, I feel like, oh yeah, that's right. They never nominated him for anything first time around because that game came out during that like liminal space yeah. after 
the game awards it's like the week after done. all the votes have to right. be in so the whole game just got snubbed I, I was about to say like i don't feel like they would nominate him again but if they never nominated him the first time around maybe he does have a shot so yeah. who knows those are just asterisk names because again with that who knows but i feel like ben Starr's the favorite for sure and he's also like i feel like he's done the most press of any of the actors or actresses that's what on it is, is he's he's yeah. out there being like yo i did the voice acting for final fantasy 16 yeah so yeah uh best narrative i have put down uh star wars jedi survivor final fantasy 16 cyberpunk 2077 fan and liberty spider-man 2 and alan wake 2 now i do want to say something i know you're probably looking at this shortlist thinking man there is a Baldur's Gate 3 sized hole that is missing on this list as somebody who has not played this game and has not really read up a whole lot about the story of this game my thing is, is going off of what I've seen of this game on social media, it, it seems like the story is almost not like an afterthought, but really not where people's attentions are focused with this game. And so I want you, as someone who's really getting into the thick of this game story, to sell me on it and tell me why I should put it on this short list. I will say, well, I think it's a good story. I think where that game is so ambitious just with choice mattering and like so many permutations of what can actually happen, I think it's like, oh, yeah, like people, voters will be like, oh, that's like the game that's like really cool and has a cool, you know, fantasy story, but you can make your own. And I feel like that's going to influence people to be like, yes, this is a game. This is a game that has. It's 75 hours of cutscenes and then you can do whatever you want. I think that that gets on. What were your other ones? Uh, Jedi Survivor, Final Survivor. Fantasy, Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty, Spider-Man 2, and Alan Wake 2. So I think Alan Wake 2 is a lock. I think Baldur's Gate 3, probably over Star Wars. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think, is there any, like, is there anything we're leaving out that would was also... Maybe, so I haven't played it yet, obviously, but isn't Space for the Unbound, like, that indie game that everyone's like, it makes you cry? Yeah, I forgot about that one. I put it on my short list of games to play, but uh, people didn't vote for it. I feel like there's going to be a Make Me Cry indie that gets in over like a Final Fantasy 16 or a, mm. or a Jedi. I feel like there's going to be an indie that makes you cry. And I think Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Great are also locks. Mm. I mean, Alan Wake 2 especially because it's like that game is like we, we want to do we want to tell weird ass stories with a writer and that's what that game is. I think that gets mm. in. All right, here we go. The penultimate category, best game direction. I went with Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Final Fantasy 16, Baldur's Gate 3, and Alan Wake 2. Um, Dead Space, like, I feel like that's somewhat self-explanatory with that game, with that game being the whole, we're never going to like cut to a cutscene. It's always going to be behind the back and we're going to display your health and HUD stuff on your rig which of course was you know uh emblematic of the original games in that series um hi-fi rush i think this one finally gets some representation in here just because it is like the one game of like all the nominees this year that's like very distinctly different looking it has a very you know distinctive cartoonish art style um final fantasy 16 i mean their commitment to telling like this grand game of Tr thrones-esque story i think definitely gets at points in that regard Baldur's Gate 3 of course and then alan wake 2 being the like you know mishmash of genres and media you know switching between gameplay and um you know footage of real life people at the drop of a hat i think this is good it's also just what is this category confuses me. Like, what does this category yeah. mean compared to anything else? So, sounds it, good It's to me. one of those categories <laughs> where it's like, if you're on this category, it's either because you, quote unquote, got the sauce, whatever that means, or you have, like, very, like, a particularly cinematic direction. Like, uh, when, uh, what's its face? Uh, the Hideo Kojima game about walking in the rain. Death Stranding? Death Stranding. When Death Stranding won this category, I was like, yeah, that, that's like the perfect example of a game that would get onto and win that category. But otherwise, it's a little bit nebulous. Yeah. Because I think, like, Last of Us won it. It's like, because you like the cutscenes? Like, what is the, what is the, what is the, 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 you know, the similarity between Best Direction for Last of Us and Best Direction for Death Stranding? Like, I don't understand this category, but I'm also a dumb dumb, so that's there, too. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, the problem, right, is like, I think what this category is supposed to be is it's like the game with the best, like the strongest, uh, like authorial vision behind it, like the game that most feels like an auteur created it. Mm. But like video games sort of like, not to say that movies aren't collaborative processes, but video games are like so much more collaborative than even movies are that like, it feels a little bit disingenuous. Like, I feel like a better name for this category is like games that are trying to emulate like that of like an authorial vision despite not really being made in the same way hmm. as any of those movies that you associate as having a strong it's like best vision. art but art is in quotation marks yeah exactly. <laughs> basically yeah yeah i'm with you on that one all right and here we go the final six nominees for game of the year Ooh. hi-fi rush zelda tears of the kingdom armored core 6 baldur's gate 3 street fighter 6 and spider man 2 mm, interesting i will this is the tough one so the way i've looked at this is that there's three that are locked there's two that are competing there are three that are locked and fucking there's a list of 10 other games you can throw in those bottom three yeah so for me the locks are obviously tears of the kingdom baldur's gate 3 we've basically known that all year Number three, I think, is Alan Wake 2, just because of how much people liked it and how close it is to the voting, the cutoff thing. Like, I feel like that goes a long way. Be like, oh, this really weird, interesting experience that's one of a kind. Also, oh, I beat it a week before I have to vote. Sticks in your mind. Makes sense. After that, it's like, man, yeah, are we going to put in, what, Starfield, Final Fantasy 16? You just have this list of, like, the games that are, like, close to a 90 on Metacritic, there were just people really, really liked, and it's like, which of those three are also going to go in here? This is the toughest one for me. What were your, Give me yours one more time. Hi-Fi Rush, Zelda, Armored Core 6, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Street Fighter 6, and Spider-Man 2. Oh, I would love to see Armored Core 6 in there. Alright, so I'm going to go with Alan Wake 2, um, Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I'm going to say... Spider-Man 2, I'm going to say Mario Wonder, Ooh. and then I'm going to say Sea of Stars, because we, we always seem to get one indie in there. Give me a second. Who knows? I want to I I write all these in here. Yeah, yeah. Just to make it. sure that we got them all. That is my uh, thing, is that it's there's those top three, there's really top two, and after that, I'll fucking throw spaghetti at the wall. Spaghetti, just like Mario. <laughs> what? I don't know that reference. So uh, I, I'm curious, like Armored Core 6, I I put that into my list of nominees because I feel like there is still a lot of love for From Software mm -hmm. in the Game Awards voting crowd. And Absolutely. like, as much as I think people liked Lies of P, I feel like people will vote for the like, quote unquote, authentic From Software experience over like the imitator. And so oh, yeah, I feel if like... If it's Armored Core or Lies of P, it's Armored Core is getting in. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush is probably like my biggest reach there, but you know, it was an early example of like, oh man, could this be game of the year? And Street Fighter VI, I'm just trying to think of like a, a category that's not particularly well represented in any of the prior categories that I think has a really good shot of kind of sneaking in there. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2, I'm in agreement with you that like, thing about Spider-Man 2 is leading up to its release, I feel like there was a lot of talk of like, is this just going to be more of the same? Is this game story going to be, you know, a rehash of plot threads that we saw in the first Spider-Man game of plot threads that we've seen in uh, Sam Raimi movies and whatnot. And I feel like what was so impressive about that game is it really, I feel like, uh, proved people wrong and really kind of like proved its reason to exist when it finally released. Um, and so I think... I mean, it's not as hard of a lock as Zelda or Baldur's Gate 3, but I would not be surprised at all for Spider-Man 2 to make it on the list. Not at all. Like, I like the idea of High Fire Rush. I don't know. Again, it's a tough year and it came out early, but like, yeah, that's a great game. But like, it's so, like I said, after for me, it's there's three and then I fucking like, I don't know, dude. Because then you have to really think of like the votes you're getting. I don't remember. Did I hear someone talking about this? Or maybe I'm misremembering, but talking about. No, I think it was. Because Andrew Renee was on Xcast, kind of funny Xcast, and was talking. She asked Jeff Keeley about what's going on this year, 
and I think he, I, I might be misremembering, so whatever, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But about, like, a lot of the votes getting split. Like, there being, like, a lot of games that are, like, you know. a lot. There's, like, again, there's frontrunners, and then everything else was, like, really split. And there's, like, a lot of, like, oh, these games are really close just because mm-hmm. people are, like, I don't know. I guess this one should be in. So, I think it's, there might be a surprise or two in there that are just, like, you know, who knows. Like I said, throw, throw Mario at the wall and figure out if he sticks or not. Yeah, I, I do want to touch on Mario Wonder real quick. Loved Mario Wonder. I had a great time with it. It will probably be one of my favorite games of the year. One thing I was a little bit surprised about was hearing some other people in the industry that are particularly influential when it comes to talking about Nintendo games not be super hot on this game. Uh, Brian Altano, you know, formerly of the Comedy Button, currently of IGN and NBC, was saying that he did not love the game because he was primarily playing it like local multiplayer and he didn't love a lot of the game's local multiplayer settings like he, he i don't remember where this was but he was recounting an anecdote about how he was playing it with his daughter and his daughter would get to the end of the level first and that would basically render control away from him to his daughter and so his daughter would just be running around the map and he was like ah, i don't love the way that this game does like its local multiplayer stuff and the thing is is like i never dealt with any of that because I, again, I just played the game exclusively single player with like online multiplayer ghosts helping me out. Um, but I can see, I wonder if there are going to be enough people like that who are like, I played the game local multiplayer and it wasn't to my liking. Yeah, no, that's that's the hard thing because you, when it comes down to this stuff, it's like, it's not even like, what is what I think is the best? I'm like, what are, the, what are these people going to vote on? So it's, you don't have to, but it's like, if you listen to multiple influencers and press people and stuff, you listen to throughout the year, you can kind of guess it. Like when it takes two, one, I was like, even though I'm like, this is not my favorite game of the year. I would not do it. I understand that this is going to win. And I get why it won because I'm like every, but all those people who vote on these things were like, it's so different. And so, and it's changes all the time. And that's great. And they enjoyed having something new and interesting. And like, that's mm-hmm. what they value everything because they've been doing this for 20 years. So it's like, when you look at Mario wonder, like, yeah, if it's like, that's another good Mario game, but you know, when I played it, it was fine and I didn't enjoy it. Even though they think it's a good game, they'd be like, I wouldn't vote for that for my game of the year. So I could see a lot of games that are like, this game is supposed to be really good, right? Just not getting in because people are like, I don't know. I didn't like it as much as this. So yeah, that's how it goes, you know? And that's the end of our Game on Game Show segment. Thank you to everybody for coming to Game on Game Show. You're going you to do it how Chad does it? I'll just do that. Game on game show, the game on our game show, where we game on the game show. Game, 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 game. He needs to write it down. If he writes it down in full, I will do it. But if I need to remember it from memory, no, sir. Just say it once. I'm with you. That's no problem. All right. Thank you, Cozy. That was fun. Went through some categories. By the time you hear the podcast, you'll see how absolutely wrong or right we were. And I'll try to remember this for next week whenever I can either brag or not bring it up if you've done better than I did. Uh, <laughs> we're good. That's the that's it for the podcast, though. Uh, make sure to check us out on patreon.com slash respawnaimfire. Normally, you vote on barf games for the month. That is currently done for the year, but still go on there. Uh, there is either on the Patreon page or you have an email if you're a Patreon where you can opt in to getting something sent to your house. I still don't know what it is. I never asked Chad. I have no idea what he's talking about. But if you've been a patron, there's apparently something could come your way if you want to opt into it. So yeah, patreon.com slash respawnaimfire and get some sort of goodie. Or maybe Chad just shows up to your house with mustard gas. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, and then we've done our votes. And we all know we're playing for Game of the Year. I've got some cool ideas for Game of the Year. This should be fun. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But outside of that, thank you guys for checking us out. This episode 331. And we will see you next time is that we how how do you do it whenever you do your uh you do your patreon games and we'll see you next next time time. (laughs) all right